Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Hi, welcome to One Hour at a Time. It's Mark Green. I'm the medical director at Westbridge and I'm standing in for Mary today. So today I'm here with Dan Griffin. Hey, Dan. Hey, good afternoon. Um, so Dan um, is a um, mental health counselor and um, worked in mental health and addiction field for 15 years. Uh, we're talking to him today about um, the role that uh, the men's ways to the 12 steps, you know, what's special about um, the challenges that men have um, as they work through their recovery. Um, so Dan has been working for Minnesota Judicial Branch for about eight years, um, coordinating drug court um, treatment, and has always had a special interest in um, the con- social construction of masculinity and the particular overlap um, between um, recovery in AA and um, and the gender specific issues um, that uh, treatment um, demands. Um, so Dan's written a really good book, A Man's Way Through the Twelve Steps, published by Hazelden. Um, and um, it's also the co-author of Helping Men Recover, um, which is a curriculum workbook um, which you wrote with Stephanie Covington, right? That's, yep, that's right, and uh, Rick Dower. And, and Rick Dower. Um, is that out yet? Um, that will be published by Josie Bass in January of 2011. We're actually going over all the final editing right now. Okay, I'm looking forward to um, using that myself in uh, our program at Westbridge because um, I ran into Dan at a uh, meeting in Tennessee, addictions meeting, and was really impressed by um, the questions you asked me about my talk and um, your own talk. Um, So, Dan, tell me why the interest. What, like, you know, men um, get plenty of adequate treatment in. for their addictions, don't they? I mean, what's different for men? Why do they need something special here? Yeah, you know, um, men absolutely uh, get adequate treatment. We're 70 to 80% of all treatment admissions every year. Um, And the model primarily has been, um, was originated and, and has been primarily guided by men. But in the last 20 years, women started looking at the traditional model and saying, hey, does this really fit for us? What about some of our unique needs? Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, they started a conversation that just had us look differently at the modalities of treatment, at the messages, at the assumptions. And um, as a result of that, there's been some of us who have also been saying, you know what, we believe that while, yes, the uh, treatment has been adequate for men, that there is definitely room for improvement, and some of that room for improvement or some of the um, inspiration for that really comes from what women have done and some of the concepts that women have brought to treatment, some of the traditional assumptions that they challenged, uh, in particular bringing a more relation-based philosophy to the experience of treatment. And uh, you want to say what that means? So relation-based philosophy. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of research, a lot of treatment in addictions 
is based on um, you well it's either that you make a choice and you have to make different choices that's like your cognitive behavioral approaches and you look at the different types of choices you're making or um, you're not making a choice you have a disease of addiction and you have to um, surrender and um, and that's a more sort of um, 12 step approach what do you mean by a relation based approach well <clears throat> You know, I think one of the um, maybe misinterpretations sometimes of the 12 steps or even cognitive behavioral are some of the limitations that we place on it. And when we talk about relation-based, what we're simply saying is that while you can still be using a 12-step or Minnesota model or and or cognitive behavioral, it's really focusing on the impact of relationships, the behavior on relationships, how men view relationships, the ideas we have and assumptions we have about relationships, and in particular for men, um, as opposed to women, it's really starting at a fundamental level of helping men appreciate and gain skills for maintaining relationships. Because much of our socialization and our training, uh, intentionally, unintentionally, kind of puts us at, odd, at odds with relationships, um, really stressing that individual uh, focus, really stressing the competition and um, the kind of on my own sort of idea. Yeah, well, that's a big thread in American psychology, right? This idea that um, I'll be well when I maintain my, when I can be autonomous and I can be self-reliant and decrease my dependency on others. And you're right, that's changing a lot in the last decade, that dependency isn't a bad word. Um, you know, we need other people, and we do. We function better when our attachments to other people are richer. We can trust others, and um, so what you're saying is um, that men's treatment needs to really be geared to thinking about some of the special challenges that men have had getting into relationships. And um, but we're not just talking about sexual relationships and partnerships here. You're, I think no, absolutely, absolutely not. In, in fact, broader sense, right? Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, one of the things that we're really working to do is disentangle some of the confusion that men have around intimacy and sex and love and um, and and and, and um, intimacy with other men. I mean, if I uh, speak to a lot of men and I say I had a really intimate time with one of my best friends last night, the first assumption that most men and even some women are going to have is what? That you uh, that you had sex with them, or you uh, <laughs> were fooling around with them. That's right. right. And then yeah. when I say my best friend's the guy, then the assumption is what? Um, that you're gay, that you're having a relationship, or that you and you don't know it yet. Exactly. I mean, so there's those limitations that we place, and those limitations automatically impact our relationships with men and our relationships with women. Um, I've been intrigued by relation-based. Uh, theory, relational cultural theory, and I am by no means an expert on it, but I've been intrigued by it ever since I first heard about it because one of the implicit comments within uh, relational cultural theory for a long time was relationships are really important to women. And the unspoken part of that was, and they're not to men. Mm -hmm. And that would really irritate me. 
And I'm just, I'm the type of person that when I get irritated, I don't stuff it, I don't just sit on it. And it, it just seemed too important to ignore that, you know, when we were talking about gender responsive services, we were only talking about women. When we were talking about, you know, uh, looking at relationships, we're talking about the importance of relationships to women. Well, if men aren't engaged in learning about relationships, then anything women want to do, any of the work that women are doing, will, will be limited. Mm-hmm. And it will always be limited if the men don't have the relational capacity as well. So I'll tell you, um, I'm going to bring you back because um, when, you, um, when you started your workshop, um, you did a nice simple exercise there about what, what men, what our preconceived ideas about men are and what they're asked to do in recovery. Um, I wonder if you could take us through that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I um, well, and I'll just give you a really quick background on it. Uh, I was a, a training, a counselor in training at Hazelden, um, and I should say I, I'm no longer actively working in counseling. I um, I'm, I'm more I work in consulting and training, um, but I was trained as a counselor at Hazelden, and when I was there, um, the um, you know, I one of the things that we had to do was to do our own exercises. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just running a group one morning, and I had done my master's research looking at masculinity and addiction and, and the process of recovery. And so I had some ideas germinating. And one of the ideas was, well, when I got into recovery, there were a lot of principles. There were a lot of aspects of recovery that really didn't seem very masculine. I mean, guys were talking about their feelings. In 12-step in meetings, guys are hugging each other. They're asking for help. They're admitting vulnerabilities. And I'm like, wow, like I have fought most of my life to not do those things right. for fear of being made fun of, ridiculed, um, isolated, marginalized. And so the exercise I simply came up with was putting a – line down the middle of one page, uh, having men say, all right, well, just tell me, what, what are some of the traditional concepts, the traditional characteristics of being a man, you know, the common characteristics? And so, you know, men would list those out. And what are some of them? Well, be in control, um, be right, be, uh, be confident. Be strong, be, uh, not rely on other people. Exactly. Don't show your feelings. Exactly. And and you know you go down the line and we did that in the ex- in the um, we did that in the presentation and in, invariably every time we do it we get the pretty much the same answers which tells us there's there's a very common message message that's happening and then you go to the other side of the page and you say all right well now let's just talk about this whole idea of being in treatment and counseling. And getting services, and you know, all of a sudden now we're being told that we're, and not only to be in recovery, but essentially to save our lives in order to manage this chronic disease. There's some things that we have to do, and then I just say, so, so just tell, tell us, what are some of the principles of recovery? And then people start, you know, saying, well, let's see, um, ask for help, be vulnerable, trust others, talk about up. your powerlessness. Powerlessness. 
Yeah. You know, talk about your feelings. Admit to making mistakes. Um, yeah. You know, Rely on others. Be yeah, absolutely. And build. You know, and the reality is, and I think this was something I intuitively knew. The twelve step philosophy, in particular, is very relation based. Mm-hmm. The essence of the twelve steps is relationships, and and it works for men and for women, and it really forces men to reframe our relationships and how we partake in our relationships. But interestingly, it starts um, it starts um, from the from the get go with this idea that um, you have to surrender, that you have this powerlessness, that you have to accept um, this whole realm of vulnerability and and um, and. Um, yeah, the whole realm of vulnerability and feelings, and turn to others and ask for help and and give it over. And uh, so, so right up front there, it's talking about um, those feelings and powerlessness and neediness, and that's your that's your entree um, into the twelve steps. And the relationship building flows from there. Absolutely, and and it's not just your entree into the twelve steps; it's your entree into really any kind of clinical counseling, any kind of services that you get that are have some kind of psychological foundation is that at the heart of that is some degree of emotional um, language, emotional expression. Mm. So you're saying that um, as part of recovery, men have um, a very big step to take, um, which requires a radical identity change from someone who um, is supposed to stand on their own two feet, um, deal with things themselves, um, not be dependent, not show their feelings, and transform into someone who um, can experience their feelings, share their, experience their vulnerability, and use that to get closer to somebody um, through sharing, and that AA can provide some structure to permit that. Yeah, that, I, I would say that's exactly it. And the the irony is that as obvious as it is now in our conversation, we rarely address it in men's clinical services or in men's treatment. So I think I hear the music. It's very quiet in the background. Do you hear it? I think I do. Okay, so that's our cue. We'll come back in a few minutes after the break. Great. to Voice America Health and Wellness. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. 
Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center of recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Can you imagine a technology that takes human consciousness to the next level? One that reveals a new understanding of what is valuable and possible in the abundant support of life? The truth is, we already have that technology. We simply need to awaken to it and become the value it creates. For more about this, please tune in to Awakening Value, Shamanic Technologies of Consciousness and Success with host Marty Spiegelman. Awakening Value is live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Listen for the right turn with J.J. O'Malley. It's an insider's look at America's fastest-growing motorsports series, the Grand Am Rolex Sports Car Series, presented by Crown Royal Cask Number 16. You'll hear about what happened last weekend and get a preview of what's coming up next. From the Rolex 24 at Daytona through Watkins Glen International, Mid-Ohio, Laguna Seca, right up to the championship at Homestead Miami Speedway. The Right Turn with J.J. O'Malley, broadcast live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Power Up Motorsports Channel. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Hi, welcome back. So this is Mark Green, standing with Mary with Dan Griffin. Um, so, Dan, um, I really liked your book, A Man's Way to the Twelve Steps, and I'm looking forward to your um, curricula coming out. Tell us a little bit about the book. Um, and, you know, we didn't really ask anything about you. Tell us a little bit about how you got into this. <laughs> you know, you mentioned your academic interests and um, relation to cultural theory, but, you know, that's not compelling enough to get a whole lifetime of work on this. So sure. how do you get into this? Sure. Well, I mean, there's a couple ways that I got into it, and I'll, I'll share the more personal aspect of it. And, and I was actually just uh, remarking about this with my uh, wife yesterday. Um, but, um, you know, I kind of had a fairly privileged upbringing when I was a kid, um, I was very athletic, intelligent, you know, good-looking. I kind of had the best of all worlds in many ways. Um, but then um, my father's alcoholism started to um, increase, and I didn't grow. And I didn't grow for quite some time, and I actually had to have a medical intervention and shots of testosterone to actually oh, grow. Oh, grow, grow. I was thinking psychologically. Okay. Yeah, yeah, literally, literally, uh-huh. physically not growing, not hitting puberty. And, um, you know, um, being, having a, a big imagination and, and having some of my own kind of insight and awareness, um, I think was dangerous because I just really, 
noticed um, incredibly how challenging and how uh, isolated it was. And so I, I, it was kind of a pretty major fall. I went from being like the most popular kid to the kid who was made fun of once I got in high school. I went from being one of the biggest athletes to being the guy who quit all the teams because he was too small. Um, you know, I started using drugs. Uh, you know, same story as that goes. My addiction progressed. Um, I've been in recovery for 16 years, and it was in college that I discovered recovery and gender um, in a very interesting way. And um, it was my last year of college, and it just so happened that um, I was taking some sociology classes, and they had me... Uh, it just worked out that they had me start taking a look at both of those, and I got into recovery at the end of my um, senior year of college. I, I actually did graduate, and um, I went to uh, a recovery meeting, and and it was in that recovery meeting that I saw kind of playing out in real life some of the things that we had been talking about theoretically and some of the... And, and quite honestly, hearing men talk about things that I had been keeping inside for so long um, that I thought have, you know, really just reinforced for me the idea of, quote-unquote, not being a man. Um, and so from so that, that... We're talking about these things of um, feeling, what, inadequate or ashamed or... Um, oh, you know, very, very inadequate, um, very um, undesirable... Uh, you know, I mean, certainly not attractive to women uh, because I was, at least when I was smaller and weaker, and, you know, psychologically so much of that stayed with me for such a long time. Yeah. Um, and it, it's been that process of me really embracing, you know, my authentic masculinity because the other thing I did as a result is I rejected, you know, a lot of the traditional masculinity because I wasn't that. And so if I'm not going to be it, then I'm going to reject it so that I can, you know, somehow make my own, um, you know, whatever, my own place. And, and so my own recovery has really been a process of choosing, literally choosing, what do I like about traditional masculinity? What don't I like? Mm-hmm. And sculpting and creating my own sense of masculinity. So you've really um, been able to um, figure out a way of accepting back into your life parts of uh, masculinity which you did enjoy um, and but may have felt alienated from or awkward about engaging because you'd rejected it earlier. I'm not like that. I'm not uh, what? I'm not like what? I'm not. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, just, uh, just, just simple things like I'm, I'm, I'm not athletic. And so I gave up all sports. And, you know, I've, I've recently got back into tennis. I just did a triathlon. Um, and, you know, so pushing myself athletically. Um, another thing is, is just simple things like um, tinkering and, and doing stuff around the house. You know, that tends to be viewed as a very masculine thing. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I just, I didn't do that. And, um, you know, now having a house, having a family, you realize that, you know, really, quote, I mean, at the end of the day, those aren't masculine or feminine things. Those are just things you need to do in order to maintain a home. Um, and my wife is actually quite adept 
uh, at doing a lot of that stuff, and she's actually helped show me some things, and then I've, you know, been learning, and 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 it's it's really just saying, you know, okay, you know, something that I I may have um, had strong judgments against in the past. Now I just catch myself, and I and I just look at it, and I say, okay, is this something for me, or is it not for me? But I'm not going to let, um, you know a kind of emotional reaction from, you know, years ago define any any more for me. So um, for you, Dan, you know, you you also, like many men, you're saying, may have um, difficulties with their um, comfort level with being, you know, either tough or vulnerable or um, um, good with women or bad with women or... Um, or awkward about their sexuality if they if they're if they're gay or relaxed about it or um, um, just wanting to be tinkering around the house and and not sit having a quiet emotional conversation or the other extreme and, and for you um, you know coming out of your adolescence when you felt kind of small and awkward and um, your father was dying of his alcoholism and you must have emerged from that and uh, it sounds like a very sad, dark and um, vulnerable time for you. Um, you chose to sort of reject many traditional aspects of masculinity and have um, moved forward to embracing some, other, some of those um, as well as um, enjoying some of the... Um, relational closeness um, that you, you sound as if you've um, managed to get in your life. Um, and other men um, may have difficulties but come at, come at it from the other direction, uh, maybe over-invested um, in being very physical and not emotional and have to really work at um, exploring some more traditionally feminine aspects of That's right. um, culture and, and personality. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. And, um, you know, the, the truth is, the reality is, um, you know, one of my sociological beliefs is, is that our Western society, you know, especially, raises us to essentially be half human beings. Men are half of what they could be and women are half of what they could be. And, you know, to, to be kind of... Um, um, a little, a little bit uh, oversimplified. It, you know, men rational, women emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, men raised with power and individualization. Women raised with relationship and, um, you, you know, more of a um, sharing and generosity. Now. I think the danger is in people hearing that and then saying, well, God, that's, that's not true. Men aren't like that. Women aren't like that. Well, no, I mean, it's all, all degrees, all shades of gray. Uh, but the reality is, is that if we are not consciously engaged in our own growth, we are likely to go to one of those extremes. And there's a lot of women who work in the private sector, who work in government, who have had to work hard to kind of um, masculinize themselves as, as a way to just basically survive, mm-hmm. as a way to, to get anywhere. And there are men who, for various reasons, have have done the opposite. So Yeah, I mean, we're coming up for a break, but um, you say, you know, you go to one extreme, and I think what you're saying is um, as well that 
as part of recovery, you really have to round out those aspects of your identity which um, need to be there, but you're uncomfortable with permitting in um, because you've been sent because you censor them because they feel shameful because um, it's not what your dad would want, it's not what you think the guys would want, and becoming more comfortable with aspects of your own personality, warmth, and personal relating um, is a crucial part of that development and which will keep you healthy, make your life rich and happy. Yeah. Dan, we've got to come back after a short break. Sounds good. Okay. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family sense of recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. At last, a radio program dedicated to helping women look fabulous and feel fabulous naturally. You'll pick up tips on natural detox, learn about the benefits of whole foods, practice stress and relaxation techniques, and learn more about health, relationships, remedies, and self-motivation. Tune in to Feel and Look Fabulous with Arena. Broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We promise you, it's women's time well spent. This is an important programming note from the Voice America Women's Channel. The Catherine Zox Show is moving. Our new address is Voice America, and we will be heard on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, starting Wednesday, November 19th. All of the archives will still be available through Catherine's Boombox Player. Remember, tune in to the Catherine Zox Show on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, beginning on Wednesday, November 19th, on Voice America's flagship Voice America Channel. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Hi, welcome back. So, Dan, before the break, we were talking about your own personal um, rediscovery of aspects of yourself, and um, it sounds like it's continued continued to evolve as you've 
move forward in your relationship and um, you're a father now and um, that that brings a special um, reckoning on your masculinity to to be raising a kid and um, helping them manage their own distress and pain um, your models of how you should manage distress and pain really um, come forth when you're in those kind of situations I think um, so look Tell me a little bit about how you structured the book, some of the main themes you want to tell us a bit about. Well, sure. Uh, um, you know, my, my, my one hope is that what you and I talked about before the break um, is not public. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I try to bring humor to this. When we do presentations, we try to bring humor because, uh, you know, it, it can be painful. And, and, it's been very painful for me. It's been extremely rewarding. Um, by no means am I done with the journey. Uh, but, you know, I, I've watched other men um, begin this process or into this process, and men who are far, uh, you know, further down the road than I am, um, and to, to see what they've been able to, to create. And so there's something really special. And, and for me, that's, you know, that's been a piece of it. I, in, in, in being married, um, in um, becoming more comfortable with my masculinity, with my heterosexuality, with uh, being a father, you know, I am um, kind of being more of myself, and I'm I'm really I feel like I'm less restricted, less um, hampered by some kind of knee-jerk definition or image of masculinity. You know, at the same time. If you saw me walking down the street, you would say, "Well, gee, there goes uh, <laughs> I mean, there goes like a just a regular guy." And and so it's it's like you know I don't I don't feel like I have to dress differently than how you know a lot of guys in GQ dress. Like I can embrace that, and like that doesn't compromise my message. Like it's it's not about. We so often get into black or white thinking. It's either this or it's that. And and for me, it's about balance and it's about embracing the gray, you know. And it's like one of the things I talk about in the book and in the curriculum is like, look, if you want to be a bodybuilder who listens to opera, who likes to ride horses and, um, you know, and doesn't like to to do and you know any kind of uh, construction around the house like yeah. just be that guy mm-hmm. you know and if you're a, if you're a guy who um likes to hang mixed out martial, with do mixed martial arts in the cage and um <laughs> and and ha- make fairy cakes on the weekend <laughs> yeah i mean it it really is about it's it's about broadening and deepening what is possible in our expression for men? So, Dan, you've taken, you, you know, you've, you've worked with um, um, some, some populations with some men, um, you know, in prisons and, um, you know, not, not people who I imagine are so comfortable with talking about feelings and, and uh, vulnerability and sharing. How is your curriculum and ideas and, and your speeches and approaches with um, these goods gone down? You know, it's, it's, it's been phenomenally received. I, ten years ago, um, when I first had the idea, um, I, 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 even ten years ago, um, I would say a lot of people were not ready 
for it, but some things have shifted, and, and things have really shifted in the cultural zeitgeist. Um, I mean, it, it, it's bigger than, you know, what we're talking about in addiction services. But um, when we do the presentations, men and women are really um, incredibly responsive. Uh, many men walk away, uh, especially men who are counselors, men working in the field, walk away um, thinking about how, for some of them, their own recovery has been limited, thinking about some of the things that they um, have not been addressing with men because they have not dealt with themselves, yeah. uh, but also just feeling like, yeah, it's about time we started talking honestly about sex. It's about time we started challenging this ridiculous notion out there that men don't care about relationships. Um, and the women well received, and you don't find people um, so awkward with discussing about uh, discussing these emotions um, that they um, that they get overly embarrassed and um, and even get offended and uh, angry with you. No, because and, and this I think is what's really um, bearing itself out in the curriculum pilots that we've been running. Um, the men who are in the pilots have just had a phenomenal response. And I think it's because we create a space for men to be themselves. We're not asking them to be anything other than who they are, and we're giving them permission and creating a safe space for them to do that. And we're doing it in a way that we really raise the bar from what I think a lot of traditional treatment does as far as what we get into and what we address. Um, and, I, and I think the other, um, the, the other thing about it is that my experience um, is that men who have addictions tend to be a little more sensitive, a little more emotional, and so regardless of how they have acted in their lives, regardless of the image they have portrayed to the world, there is a part of themselves that they finally get to express and have valued that they have been at war with uh, at the same time as they've been um, suffering in their addiction. I think that's a great point. I think um, it's true that a lot of... Um, we'll stick to men, but I think a lot of men maybe use drugs and alcohol in order to accomplish some level of intimacy or to um, cope with feel, um, feelings which feel excessive um, and become overwhelming or just to get... A, so either one, either that the feeling's too big or that the feelings are not permitted. Um, and as you go into recovery with so much rubble accumulated in your life from the damage that the addiction has wrought... Um, and you're feeling um, much more um, weighed down by that, um, the opportunity um, to express some feelings or try something new um, must be so welcome, feared, but at the same time, um, a wonderful opportunity for people. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, um, it, I mean, and again, the very first pilot we did, which is, it does not look did not look at all the way the curriculum looks now, but even still, uh, there was a lot of the, the rudiments of it in there, and several of the men had been through treatment two or three times, and one of them had been to treatment at some of the most well-known treatment centers um, in Minnesota and even outside, and he said, why has it taken so long for me to get this? Right. And when he said that, I just 
I heard that out of his mouth, and I knew. I knew we were on to something extremely important. And and it's not about devaluing the treatment that people are doing now, or it's not about challenging people's competence. It's just about holding ourselves to a higher standard and creating, a, again, a, a different expectation of what's possible for men in the treatment process. Yeah. So, I mean, I, th- I think this, this, the inclusion of relationship and affect, emotion, um, into, um, as, into treatment has been across the board, addictions treatment, but also the neurosciences um, and, uh, and um, psych- other psychotherapies for anxiety and, and um, for psychotic disorders. It's really emerged like, hey, come on, wake up. The decade of the brain does not mean you have to lose all the emotions and uh, relationship aspects. And people are really waking up to that fact that um, that got left behind and um, treatment was thin um, without it. You know, in um, in your book, you bring up particular issues um, around sex and um, shame, and I, I'd like to ask you a few questions about that. I mean, that's do you find that's a particular area um, that men um, struggle with as they move into their recovery and think about themselves? Well, yeah. I, um, uh, let me just give you a quick overview of the book yeah, go ahead. Um, and the structure of the book, and 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 then I'll I'll respond to that. Yeah. You know, the way that the book was created was really, I sat down um, in interviews uh, with men, over 30 men, with periods of, re- of recovery from two years to 43 years. And all I did was ask them some questions, and they just responded so incredibly honestly that I took their words and I created a book around, you know, their words. Their words really are the book. They're, their experience. And them sharing themselves is really so much of the book. And um, and so I go through the steps, you know, 1 through 12. Uh, the first chapter is, is men and feelings, and I'll, I'll get back to why I started with that. Um, and then I do some special topics. And it's a similar orientation to Stephanie Covington, who wrote A Woman's Way Through the 12 Steps. Um, even though I, I didn't even know about her book when I first started thinking of a book, um, it really made sense. Uh, from Hazelden's perspective and I think from a marketing perspective to do something as a companion to her book. And uh, the special topics that we look at are men in relationships, men, anger, and violence, um, men in grief, and then this idea of, of responding to difference and, and how we are raised to kind of see difference as bad. Um, and so with the book, the, the reason I started with Men and Feelings really quick was just because oftentimes when we talk about recovery and we talk about men's recovery and men doing that kind of work, it's often denigrated as men getting in touch with their feelings. And while that's a core part of it, and there's no question about it, that's not all of it. And it's certainly not... Um, you know, the entirety of, of what we want to think of when we think of men in recovery kind of really creating themselves, uh, primarily because men who are stuck in their emotions are probably even worse than women who are stuck in their emotions. And, and that is, you know, just discovering your emotions and living out of your emotions is a really hard place to be. And just because you're aware of your emotions as opposed to an addiction not being... It, it, it really 
um, does not work very well. So you can hear the music. It's uh, throwing you off a bit. Huh? <laughs> um, it's hard to keep going in your flow when the music starts going, right? So yeah. yes, it's time for a break. Um, we'll come back for a last segment to see if we can continue that thread. Great. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Two views, different topics, questions, answers, news, and advice. You'll want to check out Eco Man and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week, join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pestor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability. You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights. Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Eco Man and the Skeptic. Broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk. Network. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Hi, this is Mark Green. I'm the uh, medical director of Westbridge. I'm here with Dan Griffin. And Dan and I were talking about all the things he wanted to talk about in this last segment. But, Dan, <laughs> I want you to start, actually, with telling listeners how they can um, get in touch with you, how they can get extra information. You were telling me about a curriculum um, and some training um, that you offer for different um, facilities, which you said was uh, the, the feedback is it's the best training anyone's experienced. Like really ex- ex- 
excellent feedback that you've had. So how can people learn more about you and what you do? Well, sure. Um, one of the best ways is to go to my website, which is www.dangriffin.com, um, and then you can learn about my blog. I do a, a personal blog. I do a blog for Addiction Professional Magazine. Um, I have uh, trainings available. We do, um, I do retreats as well for men in recovery. And um, then you can also read about the curriculum, and you can order the book, um, including signed copies if you're interested so I would I would say www.dangriffin.com is the best way, and you can always send me an email through there as well. Great, thanks, thanks. So um, finish up telling us about some of those core issues that um, you'd focused on in that book, and a little bit about the, the new curriculum that you've developed with Stephanie Covington and Rick Dow. Sure, um, you, you know there's just some topics in recovery that for men in five, ten, fifteen years really can get them into a really rough place. And so, you know, my thinking has always been, why wait so long before we begin talking about it and really helping men deal with that? And so we look at grief. Uh, there's a whole chapter on men and grief. There's a whole chapter on men and trauma and violence. Um, sex is throughout, but particularly in the discussion on the fourth step. Um, and it's a, it's a very candid conversation about sex, just as it is in the curriculum. Um, in, in the book, we talk about pornography and that if, if somebody's going through the process of a four-step and is not talking about their use of pornography, um, you know, that that is really limiting their experience. We talk about sexual abuse in men. Um, and, and so really, whether it's the book or the curriculum, my philosophy is let's put it all on the table. If men are having to deal with these issues, if men have this stuff going on, regardless of whether we've, con you know, created a conspiracy of silence around them, you know, let's end that. And, and so with the curriculum, you, you know, the, the book is a guide to help men going through recovery, for clinicians to help men get a better appreciation for a certain step or a certain topic, um, or even for men who are trying, you know, who are reluctant to, to engage in the 12-step fellowship. I've heard that it's very helpful. The curriculum is really for treatment providers to build into their core services for addiction. And it's focused on men. It's based on Stephanie Covington's Helping Women Recover. So it's relational-based. And there's four modules. One is based on self. One is based on relationships. One is based on sexuality. And one is based on spirituality. And those four areas are exactly the same areas in Stephanie's curriculum. And so we want to send a strong message that says, you know, what we're doing is not a whole lot different from what Stephanie did, except in some critical ways. And, and so when we look at, like, the self, for instance, we do the exercise that you talked about, um, about looking at masculinity and recovery. We talk with men about the anger funnel and how, for so many of us, anger in its various forms is the accepted emotion, and yet for the most part, anger is a secondary emotion. And so it's a secondary emotion. That's what we'll express. That's what will be most close to our consciousness. But underlying it, uh, the other feelings, vulnerability, fear, um, aloneness. It, yeah, and, and so we literally talk about a funnel, an anger funnel. You put all these different feelings into the funnel, but everything comes out as anger. Right. We, in the relationships topic, you know, similar to Stephanie's, we talk about family. We do relationships with the father. 
We do relationships with the mothers. Stephanie's uh, for the women only did the mothers, but we felt very strongly we needed to do mothers and fathers for men because so many men are raised by their mothers, and we learn how to treat women by how we watch our mothers being treated. And, and so we talk about that. We talk about how we view women. We talk about sexism. We talk about homophobia in the relationships piece. And that segues into sexuality. And in sexuality, again, we talk about um, how we um, often use drugs to allow us to engage in sex, how we don't have a very clear idea of sex, how we've um, entangled sex and intimacy and affection and closeness. And so that gets confused in our relationships with women and in our relationships with men. You know, if we express closeness with men and affection for men, well, so many of us think, oh, my God, well, then that must mean we're gay. And, and so it not only creates, you know, inhibitions with men, but it also is what really uh, feeds uh, homophobia. And then we talk about spirituality, and our perspective is that spirituality is core and fundamental to the recovery process. We distinguish it from religion. We distinguish it from the idea of God, but we talk more about it in the sense of community, and in the spirituality module, we talk, we talk about entitlement and privilege. We talk about grief. We practice meditation. And we do a very powerful exercise at the very end, and that is helping men learn how to say goodbye. And the way that we do that is everybody sits in a circle. One person is the focus, and every man goes around and says what he values about that man, keeping eye contact with them unless there's some cultural component to that where that wouldn't be appropriate. And the whole purpose for that is to help the men really cherish and honor the relationships they've found in the 18 sessions that they've done the curriculum. And be able to express um, some, some semblance of grief and that they're, they're going to miss this person and, they, and share that, be able to share that with someone and have that accepted and appreciated by them instead of seen as as um, uh, weak or um, or unnecessary, yeah, weak. Yeah, and so so let me let me share this quick anecdote to kind of exemplify what I think for the curriculum. Rick Dower was pulled in as a clinical expert, helping us with process um, to really complete the stool for the curriculum. And he hadn't worked; he had worked for twenty years in counseling. He was kind of burnt out. As a result of this curriculum, he is fully engaged in the treatment process and the clinical process again because he sees so much value and he's seen the changes in men's lives so vitally um, and, and right there. Well, Dan, it's been great having you on the show. Look, so it's dangriffin.com. It's, I'm on the website looking while uh, you're talking. It's a great website. I personally found um, your... Um, uh, talk, the part of it that I went to before I had to fly off. Very compelling, really interesting. Um, I think this is very important. On the surface, it seems so obvious, but you're right, it's missed so much in treatment. And uh, I think it's a terrific contribution. So thanks so much for being on the show, and hope um, lots of people check out your website and request your services. Great. Well, thanks so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Okay. Take it easy. All right. Bye-bye.
appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.